Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering chapters 8 through 10 in the book of Numbers. And before we begin, I wanted to start out with a quick prayer for everyone hearing this. There are times, Lord, when we may feel a deep sense of unrest. Trials and tribulations may beset us. And sometimes we don't know where to turn. I cannot see a reason why suffering must exist, but I trust in your plan. I pray that you will guide us in all ways and help us to make the best of the situation. Help us to find happiness in small things. I pray that you bring us peace and joy that we seek in life. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so chapter 8, Preparing the Lamps. The Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them so their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this. He set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The entire lampstand from its base to its decorative blossoms was made of beaten gold. It was built according to the exact design the Lord had shown Moses. The Levites dedicated. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel and make them ceremonially clean. Do this by sprinkling them with the water of purification and have them shave their entire body and wash their clothing. Then they will be ceremonially clean. Have them bring a young bull and a grain offering of choice flour moistened with olive oil, along with a second young bull for a sin offering. Then assemble the whole community of Israel and present the Levites at the entrance of the tabernacle. When you present the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel must lay their hands on them. Raising his hands, Aaron must then present the Levites to the Lord as a special offering from the people of Israel thus dedicating them to the Lord's service. Next, the Levites will lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, present one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering to the Lord, to purify the Levites and make them right with the Lord. Then have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons, and raise your hands and present them as a special offering to the Lord. In this way, you will set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel, and the Levites will belong to me. After this, they may go into the tabernacle to do their work, because you have purified them and presented them as a special offering. Of all the people of Israel, the Levites are reserved for me. I have claimed them for myself in place of all the firstborn sons of the Israelites. I have taken the Levites as their substitutes, for all the firstborn males among the people of Israel are mine, both of people and of animals. I set them apart for myself on the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. As I have claimed the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel and of all the Israelites, I have assigned the Levites 
to Aaron and his sons. They will serve in the tabernacle on behalf of the Israelites and make sacrifices to purify the people so no plague will strike them when they approach the sanctuary. So Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel dedicated the Levites, carefully following all the Lord's instructions to Moses. The Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes, and Aaron lifted them up and presented them to the Lord as a special offering. He then offered a sacrifice to purify them and make them right with the Lord. After that, the Levites went into the tabernacle to perform their duties, assisting Aaron and his sons. So they carried out all the commands that the Lord gave Moses concerning the Levites. The Lord also instructed Moses, this is the rule the Levites must follow. They must begin serving the tabernacle at the age of 25, and they must retire at the age of 50. After retirement, they may assist their fellow Levites by serving as guards at the tabernacle, but they may not officiate in the service. This is how you must assign the duties of the Levites. So here in chapter 8, this section focuses on the Levitical priests, noting several important aspects of their preparation for service. They were to be cleansed prior to service. The sin offering made on their behalf showed that even they Israel's spiritual leaders needed to be cleansed of sin. Only our great high priest, Jesus Christ, serves in the priestly role without sin. And even though he is sinless, he can fully understand our weaknesses so that we need not fear approaching him in any time of need. Hebrews 4:14. The Levitical priests are only offered sacrifices and offerings to God. They were to consider themselves quote-unquote living sacrifices. Their lives were to be given completely over to God. The New Testament also teaches that we are to consider ourselves holy priests, giving our lives as quote-unquote living and holy sacrifices unto God. A life founded on commitment to God contains the essential ingredients of a life filled with contentment and purpose. In uh, verse 15 and 21, the priest's ultimate purpose was to serve God through the through his responsibilities in the tabernacle. Here we see the priests were sanctified and accountable to God for active service. The accountability is an essential part of our salvation as well. We will be held accountable to God for the way we use our time, talents, and treasures as we serve him. I wanted to um, talk a little bit uh, just about um, just this generation with with men that we have now and and uh, men of faith, which is very rare these days. Um, I wanted to talk about the strength of meekness. Meekness is not walking around with 
a sunken chest, head down and doing everything you're asked to do by those within your sphere of influence. That is not meekness at all. That is rather the world's attempt to cage and emasculate a male. It is the enemy's strategy to castrate men's drive and sideline the starters on God's kingdom team. By painting complacency as a virtue and mediocrity as a goal, Satan has lulled the hearts of men asleep. The true definition of meekness does not negate hunger or dismiss thirst. Neither does it remove pure, unadulterated passion. Keep in mind, gentlemen, that passion in and of itself is not a bad thing. It simply means desire. Desire becomes bad only when it is wrongfully directed. However, what Satan has done is comfort what God has said in an attempt to twist the truth into a reality that is no longer recognizable. Just as he did with Eve in the garden. Distorting the truth is exactly what Satan continues to do with regard to greatness and connection with meekness. Meekness is not weakness, as many have been led to believe. Meekness simply means submitting your power to a higher control. It means submitting yourself to God's kingdom rule. Numbers chapter 12 verse 3 tells us that Moses was a meek man. In fact, Moses was the meekest man. It said, quote, Now the man, Moses, was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Yet Moses, the meekest man during his time, led one of the bravest and greatest flights to freedom. Only the likes of Charlton Heston could play this man on the big screen. Moses was a powerful man, potent with both influence and significance. Because Moses was able to submit himself to divine authority, God was able to do great things in him and through him. God made Moses a great man, yet Moses was considered meek because he was willing to serve the purposes of God to reflect the glory of God rather than his own. Men, God is not opposed to greatness. God is opposed to pride. Big difference. Unfortunately, it is a difference not widely understood or embraced. Sorry to go off track there for a second. I just needed to get it off my chest. We'll move on to chapter 9, the second Passover. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of that year, he said, Tell the Israelites to celebrate the Passover at the prescribed time. At twilight, on the fourteenth day of the first month, 
Be sure to follow all my decrees and regulations concerning this celebration. So Moses told the people to celebrate the Passover in the wilderness of Sinai. As twilight fell on the 14th day of the month, and they celebrated the festival there, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. But some of the men had been ceremonially defiled by touching a dead body, so they could not celebrate the Passover that day. They came to Moses and Aaron that day and said, We have become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body. But why should we be prevented from presenting the Lord's offering at the proper time with the rest of the Israelites? Moses answered, Wait here until I have received instructions for you from the Lord. This was the Lord's reply to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people now or in the future generations are ceremonially unclean at Passover time because of touching a dead body, or if they are on a journey and cannot be present, present at the ceremony, they may still celebrate the Lord's Passover. They must offer the Passover sacrifice one month later, at twilight on the 14th day of the second month. They must eat the Passover lamb at that time with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. They must not live any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break any of its bones. They must follow all the normal regulations concerning the Passover. But those who neglect to celebrate the Passover at a regular time, even though they are ceremonially clean and not away on a trip, will be cut off from the community of Israel. If they fall to present, fail to present the Lord's offering at the proper time, they will suffer consequences of their guilt. And if foreigners living among you want to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, they must follow these same decrees and regulations. The same laws apply both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. The Fiery Cloud On the day of the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern at night. The cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted... From over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whatever the clouds settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as they could, stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duties to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled the Lord's command, and they did whatever the, whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Here in chapter 9, 
uh, verses uh, 1 through 14. The Passover was to be an annual feast for all the Israelites, a celebration of their deliverance from bondage in Egypt. A problem arose, however, for those who were ceremonially unclean at the time of Passover. According to the strict standards of the law, they were not allowed to join in the celebration even though it was required of them. So Moses brought this problem to God, who graciously instituted a second date of celebration for those who couldn't participate at the regular time. God also wants all of us to participate in a relationship with Him. We should not allow our failures and sins to keep us from coming to God. He has provided a means for us to come. No matter how unclean we may be, our Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ, has taken away all the sins of the world. Amen. Verses 15 through 23. As the cloud moved, so did the Israelites. They had to stay alert, watching each day for God's guidance. It was essential for the people to trust God rather than to depend upon their own plans. This object lesson of obedience should be the description of our day-to-day walk with God. To trust in Him completely and not in ourselves. Chapter 10 The Silver Trumpets Now the Lord said to Moses, Make two trumpets of hammered silver for calling the community to assemble and for signaling the breaking of camp. When both trumpets are blown, everyone must gather before you at the entrance of the tabernacle. But if only one trumpet is blown, then only the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel, must present themselves to you. When you sound the signal to move on, the tribes camped on the east side of the tabernacle must break camp and move forward. When you sound the signal a second time, the tribes camped on the south will follow. You must sound short blasts as the signal for moving on. But when you call the people to an assembly, blow the trumpets with a different signal. Only the priests, Aaron's descendants, are allowed to blow the trumpets. This is a permanent law for you, to be observed from generation to generation. When you arrive in your own land and go to war against your enemies who attack you, Sound the alarm with the trumpets. Then the Lord your God will remember you and rescue you from your enemies. Blow the trumpets in times of gladness too, sounding them at your annual feasts and at the beginning of each month. And blow the trumpets over the burnt offerings and peace offerings. The trumpets will remind your God of his covenant with you. I am the Lord your God. The Israelites leave Sinai. The second year after Israel's departure from Egypt, on the twentieth day of the second month, the cloud lifted from the tabernacle of the covenant. So the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai and traveled on from place to place until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. When the people set out for the first time, following the instructions of the Lord had given through Moses, Judah's troops led the way. They marched behind the banner, and their leader was Nashan, son of Aminadab. They were joined by the troops of the tribe of Issachar, led by Nathanael, son of Zuar, and the troops of the tribe of Zebulun, led by Eliab, son of Halon. Then the tabernacle was taken down, and the Gershonite and Merarite divisions of the Levites were next in the line of march. The 
Carrying the tabernacle with them, Reuben's troops went next, marching behind their marching behind their banner. Their leader was Eleazar, son of Shadur. They were joined by the troops of the tribe of Simeon, led by Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai, and the troops of the tribe of Gad, led by Elisaph, son of Duel. Next came the Kohathite division of the Levites, carrying the sacred objects from the tabernacle before they arrived at the next camp. The tabernacle would already be set up at its new location. Ephraim's troops went next, marching behind their banner. Their leader was Elishama, son of Amihud. They were joined by the troops of the tribe of Manasseh, led by Gamaliel, son of Perehuzur, and the tri- troops of the tribe of Benjamin, led by Abidan, son of Gideoni. Dan's troops went last, marching behind their banner and serving as the rear guard for all the tribal camps. Their leader was Ahizer, son of Amishadai. They were joined by the troops of the tribe of Asher, led by Pegiel, son of Okran, and the troops of the tribe of Naphtali, led by Ahira, son of Enon. This was the order in which the Israelites marched, division by division. One day Moses said to his brother-in-law, Hobab, son of Raul, the Midianite, We are on our way to the place the Lord promised us, for he said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised wonderful blessings for Israel. But Hubab replied, No, I will not go. I must return to my own land and family. Please don't leave us, Moses pleaded. You know the places in the wilderness where we should camp. Come, be our guide. If you do, we'll share with you all the blessings the Lord gives us. They marched for three days after leaving the mountain of the Lord with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moving ahead and them to show them where to stop and rest. As they moved on each day, the cloud of the Lord covered over them. And whenever the Ark set out, Moses would shout, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. And when the Ark was set down, he would say, Return, O Lord to the countless thousands of Israel. So this section, chapter 10, begins the account of Israel's journey through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. They were entering new territory on their way to building a new life, but the immediate results were not encouraging. As they set out for the promised land, they were not willing to trust God to lead and protect them. Their weak faith showed up in their impatience with God, which resulted in 40 years of wilderness wandering. Often, building a new life involves entering uncharted territory. It takes great patience to let God guide us each step of the way. Let us learn from the mistakes of the Israelites. In uh, verses 35 through 36, even though the presence of God was with Israel. Evidenced by the cloud and the Ark of the Covenant, Moses continually prayed for the well-being of his people. He was the intercessor and knew the importance of the ministry of prayer. Praying for others is always important, for it is how we lay hold of the awesome power of God to change their lives.
So today, God gives Moses orders to purify the Levites. Their position of leadership requires them to undergo an even more thorough cleansing process than the people undergo. God reiterates his plan for the Levites and their position as his firstborn among Israel, who is also his firstborn. So they're the firstborn of the firstborn. The people put their hands on them, which is usually what they do to an animal before sacrificing it. They're symbolically offering the Levites up as something they're giving back to God. This symbol is repeated, but in a different way. When the Levites are given as a wave offering, whatever item is waved in a wave offering always belongs to God afterward. We're a year past Egyptian slavery, which means it's time to celebrate the Passover. God gives instructions about it, requiring everyone to participate, but also requiring everyone to be clean in order to participate. A few guys aren't clean, so they're frustrated with God that they can't celebrate the anniversary of his rescue. They talk to Moses about it. Moses talks to God about it, and God says, you can't celebrate it. You must have to wait a month. There are big consequences, possibly death or excommunication, if you opt out of the celebration altogether. Because you can imagine what that might reveal about your heart toward God. God even opens up this celebration to the outsiders living among them, including the Egyptians who fled with them. God is so welcoming and hospitable. They celebrate the second Passover in the wilderness of Sinai. Then they begin a new season in their lives as God's people, moving through the wilderness. They're on their way to Canaan, the promised land. By most estimates, it's roughly an 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan, so why have they already been out there for a year? Have you ever heard someone say the Israelites were lost in the wilderness? They, weren't lo they aren't lost at all. They're following God, guided by his pillar of fire and cloud. They camp where God camps, stay as long as God stays, and follow God wherever he leads them next. This is an act of submission and trust and probably even desperation. To not break free and escape to the hills when times are tough, you must know you're absolutely dependent on him for everything. As they prepare to leave, God sets up two trumpeteers with a series of different ringtones to communicate specific things for the people. Some call the people to celebrate, and some are used as a fire, as a cry for help to God. Once all this is in place, they set out. After nearly a year in the wilderness of Sinai, they pack up the brand new, recently assembled and consecrated tabernacle and get in their marching formation designed by God. Even the order that the clans of Levites arrive in is designed with efficiency in mind. God consecrates the Levites for himself, which gives us a fraction of visibility into the mind of God. He says he consecrated the Levites on the day he struck down all the firstborn sons of Egypt. 
Do you know what the Levites had done to catch his attention so that he'd bestow his great honor on them? By the way, this was before the golden calf moment when they killed 3,000 of the idolaters in their camp. So it wasn't that... When God struck down the firstborn sons of Egypt, the only thing the Levites or, or any of the Israelite slaves had done, as far as we know, was doubt God. They've done nothing to be set apart like this. This is just God's generous, merciful plan, and he's been working it out all along. He says he consecrated them. He made them holy for himself. He took a bunch of doubters and turned them into the people who live and serve in closest proximity to him. Even doubters are invited to draw near and see that he's where the joy is. Right? That concludes our reading today. I just want to leave you all off once again with a daily devotional. Your needs and my riches are a perfect fit. I never meant for you to be self-sufficient. Instead, I designed you to need me not only for daily bread, but also for fulfillment of deep yearnings. I carefully crafted your longings and feelings of incompleteness to point you to me. Therefore, do not try to bury or deny these feelings. Beware also of trying to pacify these longings with lesser gods, people, possessions, power. Come to me in all your neediness, with defenses down and with desire to be blessed. As you spend time in my presence, your deepest longings are fully filled, are fulfilled. Rejoice in your readiness, or your, in your neediness, which enables you to find intimate completion in me. Thank you all for listening today to this to this episode of the Bible podcast. I hope you all have a great day, and God bless each and every one of you.